morning, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Rest Hold Wrestling Podcast, where I provide a rest hold for our mental health through the guise of professional wrestling. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Pomaccio, and you can follow me on Twitter at JeffIsElite. For all of the Rest Hold Wrestling news and my unpopular opinions on Star Wars and other mass media. If you want to support the show and pick up some Rest Hold Wrestling Podcast merch, you can do so over at Pro Wrestling Tees by searching Rest Hold Wrestling Podcast. You'll have a selection of four uh, different logos that I have up there, our main logo, and then three logos inspired by our favorite AEW wrestlers who are also straight edge like me. I also want to thank everybody for supporting me on this sobriety journey. Today actually marks a full month abstaining um, from any substances. So I'm really proud of myself, and I just wanted to thank everybody who has been supporting me in that journey, along with the AEW roster themselves. I don't know if you guys all saw the uh, video that Ryan Nemeth put out with a bunch of other AEW stars like Hobbs, Dax, as well as Amanda Huber and Vicky Guerrero to really, uh, oh, and I can't forget the blade, but to really just knock home that mental health awareness is important and you need to take care of yourselves and your mental health. I know I've started to. If anybody needs support in doing that, feel free to reach out to me over on Twitter. I'd be more than happy to support you and anyone in any way I can. Speaking of Twitter, I was able to find a Nick Jackson AEW Unrivaled Series 7 figure in the wild at Target and decided to do a little giveaway. While the MJF one that I found a couple weeks ago did not get as many applicants as I would like, this one did. In fact, we have a winner. To announce that winner, it's Bella Lugosi. That's at L-A-P-A-R-K-A-F-A-N 71 on Twitter. So... If you're Bella Lugosi and you won this Series 7 Nick Jackson figure, all you have to do is tweet me your address and I will get that shipped out to you. Thank you so much for being a supporter and a listener of the Rest Hold Wrestling Podcast. But without further ado, let's get in to this past week in all elite wrestling. And I think it's only right that we start with that incredible promo between MJF and CM Punk. As a side note, one of the little things that I really appreciate about AEW is how they update their intro for every few episodes. You're never going to see the same intro and it keeps it interesting. It keeps it, you want to look and you want to look more and they remind you of key important moments that you might have forgotten or misremembered. I have to say that Wednesdays have become my favorite day of the week because I know AEW Dynamite is going to air and I'm so excited to be attending next week's episode of AEW Dynamite live from the UBS Arena in Elmont, New York. But that opening promo, that 20-minute segment to open the episode of Dynamite really shows how much confident Tony Khan and all the other executives at AEW have not only in CM Punk but in MJF. And it was in Chicago, kind of their hometown. We heard MJF getting asshole chants. MJF even called uh, CM Punk Punky Brewster. They're not afraid to go hit for hit and tat for tat. We see that MJF is referencing the pipe bomb in an effort to shoot on him. 
I mean, he even called him a meth addict, which I think was a little offensive to me personally. But to be honest with you, that reminded me of CM Punk's feud with Chris Jericho about 10 years ago, which is one of my favorite feuds and forever cemented Chris Jericho as one of my top heels. So I appreciated that. I also liked how MJF wasn't afraid to say you didn't want none. I saw that as an AJ Styles reference and that he would end him quicker than his UFC career. He's not afraid to be vulnerable in the ring and not afraid to expose CM Punk's vulnerability that he has had to build up over the past seven years. Even as MJF said, he drops nukes. This is why I think you see MJF in that position. While according to CM Punk, MJF is my jealous fan, it's honest. It's true. There is this level of reality to what the conversation is that they're having that it makes you tune in. It makes you be able to sit there for 20 minutes and not even realize that 20 minutes has passed. But I think from the position that CM Punk is in within the company, he did this masterfully and artistically to perfection. It was a chef's kiss. At least that's what I tweeted out. But, you know, CM Punk even said that he's disappointed in him. You know, he wants to feed his little rotten ego to shut him up without saying a word. That's what CM Punk was able to do. And for me, being a Long Islander, growing up with kids like MJF, I have to tell you, I'm signing with CM Punk on this one. I know it's really shocking, but it's absolutely true. And I love the line that when CM Punk was like, you know, it's a college that your daddy can't afford you to get into. Because where I grew up, you know, and I drove an 88 Plymouth Sundance to high school every day. If you didn't have the right car, you weren't popular. Point blank. If you weren't rich, point blank. And I know now the other company is giving fuel to the fire and going tit for tat with this shoot style promo. But in reality, by CM Punk comparing MJF to The Miz, that promotes The Miz. And it also is an extreme compliment to MJF, who is still establishing himself in the world of professional wrestling. While he is a pillar of AEW, he still has a long way to go until he's considered a legend of the art form, which I think he absolutely will get there. And that's just the thing. What MJF is new, CM Punk is old. And I think MJF hit it on the head when he said nostalgia is a drug that causes us to misconstrued our memories. And when you really sit back and think about that, I think it really opens our eyes as to how we see and saw professional wrestling before and how we see it now in AEW. And I really think that that's what this promo was about, showing that the WWE guys who come over to AEW are not here because of what they did in WWE but they're here to continue to be a part of the story that's unfolding in the squared circle. And I just have to commend both of them for doing so. You know, I mean, even MJF's acting chops as he was like doing the robo impersonation. I mean, it's so simple to do that, but yet it's so funny and it shows a way that comedic wrestling can still be taken in a serious note. Even by calling CM Punk PG Punk, and making the Cena references to preaching hustle, loyalty, and respect. What makes it so, I think for me, powerful was, again, was MJF is not afraid to go to places that other people won't. I mean, he called 
CM Punk out for the comic books that no one read and the movies no one saw. I mean, and CM Punk backed that up. He said, yeah, he was terrified when he came back after seven years. He was afraid. But CM Punk beautifully demonstrated and gave everybody a history lesson why Chicago is the second city. Not because they're the second best, not because there's another city, but because when Chicago burnt down, they rebuilt back up on those scorching embers. Chicagoans are not afraid to go the distance, even when it gets a little smoky. And I just cannot help but be inspired by that. And of course, if you want to say CM Punk is second best to the You Can't See Me Man or the King of Kings, that's fine. But I think we've established that sports entertainment and professional wrestling are synonyms of one another. But at the end of the day, the art forms of professional wrestling and sports entertainment are extremely different in the application. And I think that's what was demonstrated by this promo that they uh, had with one another. And I don't know if you know this, but with each sentence, MJF was getting closer and closer to CM Punk to the point that he literally had to say, your breath stinks. But yet by doing so, by inching closer and closer together, it made that suspense build. It made you want to see CM Punk punch MJF in his little needle dick, as he said, and you wanted to see this fight happen. I was very excited when they said that CM Punk will be versing Lee Morty this week, and rather than MJF, let them drag out this feud, this blood feud between CM Punk and MJF. But just like MJF was not afraid to go to those vulnerable places for CM Punk, CM Punk, as always, was not afraid to back it up and give it right back to MJF by way of saying he was selling out MSG when he was marking out for Rosie O'Donnell. And even when he did a song and dance recently, aka Le Dena de Bonaire, probably my second favorite AEW moment, but in any case, that he made the New York Times. That's the thing. He backs him up. Even when insulting MJF, CM Punk is letting everybody know who wasn't aware that MJF was on Rosie O'Donnell, that the Dinner Debonair did make it to the New York Times. He's building the new star while also building the feud between the two of them. And MJF continued that as he did the heelish thing and backed out of the ring and walked away right when CM Punk said, that all these people in the second city want to see him punch him in his little needle dick. So I know this goes without being said, but that promo will go down in history as one of the best. And keeping the momentum alive, CM Punk goes on to defeat QT Marshall, which we all saw happening. But that wasn't a throwaway match. I actually think that QT Marshall looked very strong in that match. And particularly, they were able to demonstrate that they're both heavy hitters in AEW. Can we talk about for a moment, though, how much charisma that Sting and Darby have? Also, shout out to Bear Country, local Long Island boys for getting uh, some TV time. Gotta always support those Creative Pro alumni. But Darby and Sting continue to have so much charisma together. They complement each other so well in almost like a apprentice and Jedi Master sort of way and 
Darby, we're big supporters over here at the Wrestle Wrestling Podcast, and he actually is the inspiration behind the coffin logo that one of my best friends and brothers, Jason, actually did pick up. So shout out to you, brother, for picking up one of those coffin logo shirts. And, you know, one of the greatest takeaways for me um, at this episode of Dynamite was the little intricacies that Britt Baker incorporated in her match that was so great to see. By her hitting Hater, it teases that eventual split between the two when Britt Baker is going to turn on Jamie Hater. Now, I know Kyle at uh, Elite POV might have some problems with that, but I'm always going to be rooting for the DMD. And, you know, this match doesn't stop. And even moments before, we see Adam Cole and Bobby Fish get an opportunity to work together in a new way. And it's great, you know. I don't compare to what they did before or what they did after, but seeing them able to tell new stories with their friends and family, allowing them to practice their art form and craft is an amazing, incredible thing to see, which is one of the main reasons why I support AEW because it provides a place for my heroes to be happy. And getting back to that women's match, you cannot deny the charisma and the strength and the overall professionalism a Thunderosa, from her entrance to her moves to the little nuances that she's able to perform, she always makes you want to tune in for more. And I think she's one of the greatest additions to the AEW women's roster and something that really set them apart. I know in the early days, and I said this too, that their women's roster was lacking, but now you have a healthy Chris Statlander back. You have Jamie Hayter, you have Jade, you have so many others in addition to those established stars like Britt Baker, like Nyla Rose. You're able to really build a bigger roster in front of them and for them. And I'd love to see women's tag belts introduced. I love and can't wait to see who ends up winning this TBS women's championship just to see them develop more and more. It's very promising. And part of the reason why it's so promising is because you have a superstar like Britt Baker at the helm, and you're seeing this even in her segments with Tony Schiavone. And what's great to see is there's a wedge growing between them. And they used to be inseparable to now she uninvited him from Christmas. And what it does is it's always that thorn in her side that Tony Schiavone is not letting Britt Baker get too comfortable at her position at the top of the AEW women's roster. But now we got to talk about one of my other heroes, Brian Danielson. His match between Colt Cabana was truly a love letter to their history in the business. You see Brian winning by making Colt Cabana not only tap, but he loses a tooth in the process. And he even calls out his former persona, Daniel Bryan, saying that he's not fickle. It was amazing. Again, it's that chef's kiss moment that we saw CM Punk and MJF execute perfectly to open the show. We're seeing this continued in a way that you understand this is a completely different character. This is Brian Danielson being himself and being that American dragon we all craved and wanted to see since the Ring of Honor days. Again, it's a moment that you see AEW has the confidence in their roster members to perform their art craft and tell their own stories, and they're doing an amazing job at it. You have to watch this, these little nuances, and to see 
every little detail come together. The charisma in Brian Danielson picking up Colt Cabana's tooth thing. See what I did? See what I did? And then just like that, our favorite anxious millennial cowboy comes out draped in gold, looking like the AEW champ. We always knew he was going to be, and it looks amazing. He's standing tall amongst Daniel Bryan. That's the thing. You see him going from this anxious cowboy to a defending champion, not backing down from a fight. And that is not only commendable, but it's damn sure admirable. I am definitely here for all of the cowboy shit of Hangman Adam Page's long AEW championship reign. Hopefully that is. And I think the ability of Hangman to connect with the crowd is demonstrated equally of how Brian Danielson has been able to get the crowd to turn on them and him specifically. You know, his quote from this past week's episode of Dynamite was, that's not cowboy shit, it's coward shit. And you have to understand that. Imagine that. Because Brian Danielson was once in that position like CM Punk was in. There's a theme here, if you guys couldn't tell. But of not being good enough and not be- and it's not, not believing in yourself, but the powers that be and the control that be deemed that they weren't good enough and they challenged that. And Brian Danielson is able to move the story so he's not, it's not about him anymore. But he might be the perfect foil to make Hangman Adam Page that much more legendary, demonstrating each and every appearance that you do not need a hat to be a cowboy. Next week, it was announced that we'll be seeing Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho. As a part of that UBS arena show, and I cannot be more excited for that. I also can't be more excited and thankful that Malachi Black isn't seriously injured. He truly is on a creative equinox. And I think this is something that I always forget, but that Malachi and Andrade have this connection through Zelina Vega that can't be understated. Um, Obviously... Zelina Vega is married to Malachi Black, but she also was Andrade's manager with the other company. And you're able to see again, and Malachi, that's why I says on his creative equinox, I mentioned before with his still referencing the eye that was damaged by Seth Rollins, you know, he's not afraid to continue that storyline in a new way, in a way that he's gonna turn the creativity all the way up to 13. He's not afraid to do that, and I cannot wait to see where the House of Black goes, if there's anyone else in the House of Black. I think that the story that they're unfolding is beautiful because they're able to tell their own story and they don't have those strings behind them being pulled in directions that they don't wanna go in. On a serious note, I do not understand this visceral heel reaction that Cody Rhodes is getting. And I don't understand when you throw a weight belt into the crowd, who would throw that back? Who? There's not a child in the audience you could give that to. It's not someone... I mean, you can't just bring it home to celebrate it, but you have to throw it back. And by throwing it back... It throws everything off and potentially can hurt people in the ring. Shame on that person for doing that. Truly. It's not, that's not a place to do it. 
And that's the thing in this match, though. Even despite all that, they told an amazing story. When you see Penta and Andrade into the DDT, it was pure beauty. And you can see Andrade's lucha skills really shine, which is something that he had to work a different style before. And now he's able to take all of his experience from all over the world because he's a global professional wrestler and showcase exactly why he's in the position that he's in. And I think that was a great way to close off Dynamite this past week. It really was. And the fun continued this past Friday on Rampage. And can I just say, I know this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I really enjoy Chris Jericho on commentary. I think he understands AW better than anybody else. I think that he understands not only who is in the ring that he's commentating on, but he understands the important role that the commentaries are. They're kind of like our chorus. They're letting us know what to tune in on and what to pay attention to, which is why I do have to also commend the commentary team for not disrupting that MJF and CM Punk uh, battle of words, shall we say, to kick off the Dynamite episode. But again, I'm always welcome to see Jericho sit in that commentary booth. And on that note, well wishes go out to JR, who is dealing with some radiation for some skin cancer. So all of our well wishes go out to JR over here from the Rest Hold Wrestling Podcast. You know, one of the matches that I wasn't really too excited on on paper, but seeing it was so much fun, was Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole. They're pacing of the match, their quick ingenuity, their reliance on not only the boom, but of pockets. You know, it was a gimmick match without being a gimmick match. And I think because it was so understated, it worked so, so well. Not to mention, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Tony Nese getting TV time. You know, any Long Islander, as I sound like a broken record, who gets to shine on AEW, I'm going to promote. Whether that was Matt Cardona for his couple matches or whether it's MJF on every single episode, I love seeing individuals from my hometown and my home area on a platform to do great things because it inspires me that if they can do it, I can do it too. The biggest surprise to me from Rampage, as I'm sure it was for a lot of us, was Rio winning against Dr. Britt Baker. And I think, again, it shows that they're willing to tell these long-form stories. We know that Britt Baker has never defeated Rio, but Britt Baker is the AEW Women's Champion. Shouldn't she be able to defeat her? Evidently not. And I think that adds to the allure of Rio. It makes me more interested to see their future bouts between one another. This was one of those early matches in AEW history, and we're seeing those threads being continued to be woven through into this new phase of AEW as we get ready for 2022 and their jump to TBS. Again, I will be going to that Prudential Center show in Newark on January 5th. If you're there, definitely don't hesitate to say hello. But again, I'm trying not to gush over this man for so long as we close out the show here, but that Eddie Kingston match, I know it wasn't everyone's favorite, but Eddie Kingston is just a master professional wrestler. He, I was very afraid that he was hurt and clearly he was selling. Um, But, you know, 
Eddie Kingston has this ability to he's no holds barred. He's very he, he you know, you believe him when he gets pissed. You believe when he says, Oh fuck this, I'm going to catering because he has that heart in him. You know, if you, as I read that Players Tribune article on the last episode, and you can go back, it should be on your feed, episode three of the Wrestled Wrestling Podcast. If you want to hear my little excerpt that I read from it. But Eddie Kingston, you could tell this is real for him. This is not just, you know, horsing around with your friends in the backyard. This is moving in with your mother again or making your dreams come true. And I'll be damned if I say I couldn't relate to that. And I think all of us can relate to that and wanting to make our dreams come true. And even, like I said, the athletic tape on his shoulder, the the limp that he walked in, in the ring with. I mean, everything that Eddie Kingston did made you believe that he is this hurt pit bull ready to unleash hell on anyone who crosses his path and gets in his way to achieve his goals. And that fighting spirit is something that I truly admire and look up to. And on that note, this will conclude our fourth episode of the Rest Hold Wrestling Podcast. But before we go, just want to do, as always, a quick shout out to not only the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, Matt, Mark, and Brian. As you all know, I'm a big supporter of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast as a Hard Foundation member. Wishing well wishes to Brian as he recovers from COVID and to all the family. And support them. That's the biggest thing. Support the people who support you. Which also brings me to why you should all support Elite POV. Aunt, Jackie, Kyle, Phil. Whether it's live streams, e-feds, solo shows. Anything that they touch creative content wise is a true enjoyment to not only listen to and just to see the effort that they put in. I can't help but support those who support me, which is why I'm such a big supporters of them. And lastly, but not least, the Major World Order, Andrew, Billy, and Jake, some major marks like me who went out and made a name for themselves, and I couldn't help but be more proud of them, especially Husvar. I know you always have my back as I always have yours. So again, go support the people who support me, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, Elite POV, and the Major World Order as As always, I'm your host, Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffIsElite. This has been the Rest Hold Wrestling Podcast. Stay safe, everyone, and be elite.